What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 476, coming to you on Monday, February 27th. We are going to preview the start of spring camp, which begins next Saturday, or this upcoming Saturday, March 4th. We're going to look at the offense led by, of course, the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, going to walk unit by unit on the offensive side of the ball. Preview what you should expect to hear uh, during spring camp. Obviously, spring camp is not necessarily open and, you know, you won't see everything like you would uh, football games uh, during the fall. But we're still going to talk about the talking points going in and what to expect from the Trojans uh, this spring in their 15 practices as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Random Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Random Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Spotify, and of course, we are here live on YouTube. As always, you can join us in our membership, uh, including the uh, the Rot Squad, where for $4.99 a month, you get to join our private Discord channel, talk to other Rotbots. Uh, and get a at least one members-only video per month uh, as we go towards the regular season. That'll ramp up, obviously, a little bit more. Um, but we're excited about it, and we hope to see you there as well. So hit the Join button here on YouTube. Um, I'm your host, Michael Steele, along with my co-host, Elisa Deratola, here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, spring ball already, right? 
it, it's it's wild. I mean, this is this is the uh, probably third time this year uh, that I'm gonna say out of probably fifty, like wow, the year is moving really fast. Yeah, and the off season feels endless, and yet it's like we're already we're already at March, like we're already at spring ball. It's it's pretty wild. So I'm not I'm not telling it to move slower. I'm just <laughs> commenting on how quickly it's it's moving yeah uh it's already february 27th next the next day 28th will be the final day of uh of the month of february which of course is the shortest month of the year the best but the shortest month of the year and then we get into march where spring ball begins uh the spring game will be next month uh in the middle of april and of course, the offseason just a little bit shorter because the Trojans start the 2023 season in week zero uh, at home this year. Um, something to look forward to uh, there at the end of August. Um, Alicia, let's just get right into it. Let's let's just start previewing the offensive side of the ball for the Trojans. Uh, next week, we will preview the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, spring camp starts on Saturday. Uh, but we're going to still preview the defensive side uh, next Monday, uh, March 6th, um, two days after camp begins. But um, not like a lot of stuff is going down in day one of camp anyways. So yeah. we'll still be there at the beginning of camp um, to help you preview the defense. But let's start with the offense and start with the wide receivers. Alicia, this is a fascinating um, position group. Um, has has been at USC for, I don't know, a couple decades now, maybe three decades. Um, the wide receivers is absolutely loaded uh, with, with Dem- Dennis Simmons as the wide receivers coach. But for a unit that we, I think we all consider one of the best in the country, surely, uh, last year and the year before that and the year before that, um, well, maybe not 2021. Uh, it was Drake London and everybody else, but this has been a unit that has, you know, led the Trojans so many times over the years. And it's one that has been so deep. And yet when I was putting together the rundown, I was telling you, SC only returns five, five receivers in spring camp. Five. Yeah. Like, you know, you think about everybody like Jordan Addison, of course, leaving in the NFL, but like, I don't know. Five seems like not that many when we talk about this receiving core being so deep. It is a deep group, but of course, there's a lot of attrition as well. Well, that's the thing is when you have six guys leave the program, yeah, you're only going to return five. And, uh, and, you know, USC has four that we are planning on coming in uh, for USC in uh, over the course of spring and fall. But the, the, the May transfer window is going to potentially be another opportunity for USC to add bodies in there to fill out the rest of this group. So I'm not particularly worried about the numbers because I think the numbers will be dealt with depending on what uh, what things look like going into the spring. And mm-hmm. to be honest, the top-end talent that USC has in this group is why it lost so many numbers. Like, right. if USC didn't have the five that they're returning being so well established as guys who are going to contribute massively for USC, uh, they wouldn't have lost Kyle Ford. They wouldn't have yeah. lost, uh, you know, Garrett Bryant Jr. or CJ Williams. It's it, it's just sort of 
par for the course that if you're going to be adding someone like Dorian Singer and you've got Zach Branch and Makai Lemon coming in and then Jacoby Lane later down the line in the fall, when you're adding those guys, you're, you're going to see attrition from people who see the writing on the wall right. and recognize that they're not going to be one of the top five receivers in this group. So it, it's just the, the reality. But when it like I said, the top line talent, like you wouldn't trade Brendan Rice, Mario Williams, Michael Jackson III, Kyron Hudson, and Taj Washington throw in Dorian Singer, Zach Branch, and Mikhail Lemon. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't trade those guys for any of the guys who are leaving, bar Jordan Addison, who is not leaving because of uh, attrition in that sense. He's leaving because of the NFL called. So, right. Well, yeah. I, I think Kyle Ford is the one that hurts in the sense that, you know, every SC fan saw his potential and saw how good he's been um, in glimpses as a depth guy. Um, you know, the last couple of seasons and towards the end of this past season, kind of finally getting starting time. But like you said, when you bring in uh, Dorian Singer, who was, you know, the the best wide receiver in the conference last year, you bring him in uh, and you pair him with Mario Williams, who uh, had five touchdowns, 631 yards last year for basically the, the triumvirate of, uh, the top receivers for the Trojans last year were Addison Williams and uh, and Washington. Well, and he two, time with two of those too. guys are, are back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario Williams, I think, has much more in him in terms of production than we saw this past season. Yes, because he missed several games, and he when he came back, he 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 was maybe still lingering with that injury. So I think Mario Williams is looking at himself as the number one wide receiver. Dorian Singer is looking at himself as the number one wide receiver. I'm sure Brendan Rice looks at himself as a potential number one wide receiver. The way that you're Taj Washington, why don't you think you could be? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and, and I agree losing Kyle Ford hurts to me. It hurts mostly because he went to UCLA. Like if he hadn't gone to UCLA, it would have been a bummer to see him leave, but like it wouldn't hurt. Um, But when it comes down to it, like would I trade one year of Kyle Ford for, the potential of of Kyron Hudson or Michael Jackson the third. I don't know. I don't know. I have really really high hopes for MJ three and really high hopes for Kyron Hudson. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's as the as the uh, the people in the leagues always say it's a it's a business and these are business decisions. So when it comes down to it, USC has to feel extremely good about the wide receiver group. Caleb Williams has to feel extremely good about the wide receiver group and i think you feel even better knowing that you go through spring you establish some pecking orders between these guys and then you get to you get to the summer and maybe there's some guys out there at other programs who are looking around thinking i want to go play with caleb williams and they take their opportunity so yeah this this position group could be ever-changing but um in terms of pecking order i feel very very good about let's say a front three, like a, like a core three of Dorian Singer, Mario Williams and Brendan Rice. And it's, and Taj Washington have Taj in there. Well, okay. It's Mario Williams, Dorian Singer, and then Brendan Rice slash Taj Washington. And, and the reason I feel okay with like, is that because of Rice's potential? Rice's potential is higher, but, I also feel good about Taj Washington in the sense that he is all reliable. Like he is. He's he, the, the Deontay Burnett. Of yes. Group, he's, right? the, he's, he's the, 
the guy who's just always going to be there catching passes in regardless of which of those other three that I named are starring in the game. Yeah. Josh Washington's always potentially the number two guy there. If that makes sense. Like he's not the number two wide receiver in this group, but he, like if, right. if you gave me a set, a, a, a line for how many games is Taj Washington going to be USC's number two receiver? I would say he will outdo everybody else. Okay. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think he's just going to be the most consistent right? yes. because that's, that's what he is. And I think that that's why I kind of like the, Deontay Burnett comparison because you look on at the, the receiving cores that Deontay Burnett was was on. Um, was he as flashy as Tyler Vaughn's? No. Was he? Did he have the upward ceiling of a Judas Schuster? No. No. But he was more productive than both of those guys for long stretches, and that was just because he was just consistently consistent. Um, and that's one of the things that uh, that you. That you know that plays that, that absolutely plays. When you look at the five guys that are back, um, Rice, Williams, Jackson the third, Hudson, um, and of course Taj Washington, who's the one that you think needs to take the biggest step forward this spring? Um, I think Mario Williams has the potential to be a real household name nationally, and he's right. not there yet. And I think that's what his aspiration is and so he's the one that i think has to take that step into the like national stage um i you know i think there's there's more room for someone like Kyron hudson or michael jackson the third to like step into the starring role at usc but i think when you look at mario williams you're looking how do you go from being really productive really important but like 600 yards on the season to yeah 1200 yards like how do you how what how far of a step is it for you to be the man like the number I, one i don't know and it if might not be possible in this group because there's too many guys catching passes yeah i i don't know that there's um a guy as, as good as dorian singer is i don't know that there's a guy that will catch um you know gain 1200 yards or whatever it is just because there's so many guys, and we know that Caleb Williams likes to distribute the ball relatively evenly. Um, I don't know if there's that production is kind of out there, which is a luxury when you have this many guys that you can even say that. Um, but for me, I think that this is this is a big spring for Brendan Rice and Michael Jackson the third because you know what you know what Mario Williams is, you know what Taj Washington is. We know what Dorian Singer should be. I think if you are Brendan Rice and Michael Jackson the third, you have to be somewhat worried, uh, maybe not worried, but inspired something. I don't know. Um, by the arrival of Branch and Lemon, because those are two guys, a uh, uh, five star in, in Zach Branch, the number four overall recruit in the country. Uh, and then Makai Lemon, who just misses out on being a consensus um, five star as a uh, four star, high four star guy, like out of um, Los Alamitos, like those two dudes are coming. And if they're going to play a pivotal role in this offense as true freshmen, then they're not taking away Mario Williams's reps. They're not taking away Dorian Singer's. 
they're taking away opportunities for Brendan Rice, Michael Jackson III, and Kyron Hudson. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I think that those are, I think these are the competitions that'll be really interesting to see in the spring. Yeah. Now, obviously in the spring, you don't want to expect too much from Branch and Lemon, but in the spring, we could already see the writing on the wall that like Branch is a, is a starter. Like that yeah. could become very clear, very quickly could take a little bit more time, but it's not outside the realm of possibility to look at it that way. Um, but at the same time, we could also go through the spring and, and find out that, yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty clear pecking order. It's uh, Mario Williams, Dorian Singer and Brendan Rice or, one of those, you know, Williams, Washington, and maybe Jackson takes his step up or, or yeah. whatever it is. I think that's what's exciting to see during the spring is what combinations are we going to see of those guys take on sort of bigger roles. Now, the 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 downside of the, all of this is like we're hoping to glean all of this from spring camp, but how much will we be able to glean in terms of what's being viewed and what's being reported and all of that kind of stuff. But at least we'll yeah. have the spring game to sort of get a, get a sense of things. Yeah. But, but before we move on to, to tight ends, is there any sort of thing that you expect uh, to hear about from branch and lemon? Cause I, I, I feel like they're coming into a wide receiver core that is so stacked. The pressure's really off of them. And I think that that's a good spot for those two guys to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they get to go in and settle into college life and see how they do. And I think, uh, like I said, it would not surprise me if Zach Branch makes a ridiculous run in spring and it's already clear that he's the guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think you have to write him off if he doesn't do that in spring because you feel so good about everybody else in that unit that like, yeah, give the kid time, see what he does. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the tight ends. Your favorite position, of course. Uh, led by coach Zach Hansen uh, might be the most um, outside of the quarterback, uh, the, the, the unit that we don't have much to discuss. Uh, SC will have three scholarship tight ends in the spring. Jude Wolf, who will be a redshirt senior, Ethan Ray, who will be a redshirt senior and Lake McCree will be a redshirt sophomore. Um, Josh Follow has um, graduated along with Malcolm Epps, the Texas transfer. Uh, those guys are gone, but Wolf, Ray, and McCree are back. Um, SC, of course, did get uh, a big signing um, from the guy who is right off the top of my head, not Walker Lions. Walker Lions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walker Lions out of Folsom, four-star uh, tight end. Uh, but he's going on a morning mission is going to miss the 2023 season. Well, he will enroll next year in 2024. Uh, so not only is he not going to be there this spring, but he's not going to be there in the fall either. So basically he's a gray shirt player, right? Like yeah. you, you just don't, don't think of him at all this year. Um, so the tight ends are what they are. Uh, that could certainly change later this fall. If SC is able to get Deuce Robinson, um, who they're still after the pinnacle high guy out of Phoenix, uh, top tight end in the country. But for now in spring camp, it's Wolf, Ray, and McCree. Yeah, the, the depth is what you worry about here because um, USC has, you know, certainly last year we saw Josh Follow take on more of a role in this offense. And it's not that he was a prolific pass catcher, but he was on the field and blocking and contributing in all of the ways that you expect a tight end. Um, the depth there is certainly not very good. 
but I really like Lake McCree and I really, really want to see what Lake McCree can accomplish with a fully healthy season and, and sort of, so yeah. knock on all the wood and cross all the fingers and hope that, uh, that, that he can put it together because I think Lake McCree is the guy that, uh, really flashed as a freshman and we, we haven't really gotten to see him have a run out in a while. Um, Jude Wolf is definitely the sort of X factor guy. Speaking of all of these guys have had injury issues. Ethan Ray has basically been injured his entire career. Yeah. Um, even going back to high school, uh, Jude Wolf has dealt with an injury every single year that I can remember. Um, so all of these guys, it's a question of, will they be healthy? But like, if Jude Wolf is healthy, what does that look like for USC? I'm I'm not sure. I think if you wanted to pick any of the three to be totally healthy, personally, I'd pick Lake McCree because I think we've seen his his ability as a receiver to be pretty dynamic compared to the rest. Mm-hmm. But if you want to look at like body sizes and prototypicalness, Jude Wolf is that guy. And so if USC could have him be healthy and sort of have a Josh follow like senior year where he comes out and sort of is able to put together um, maybe a little bit of an understated, but, but still very valuable final season. That would be, mm-hmm. that would be outstanding. Am I going to bet on any of these guys being healthy? No, I am not. I've been around the block. I'm not messing around with it, but that's what we have. That's what you have to work with, with the the tight end group, right? Like yeah. hope, but also well, we'll see it when it happens. Of, of those three guys, um, McCree's the only one who caught a pass last year. Yeah. Um, he caught 10 for 106 yards, uh, two TDs uh, for the um, uh, the then freshman. He was playing as a uh, freshman. He got the four games that he played um, in 2021. Uh, now he's going to be a redshirt sophomore going into this year um, out of Texas. And, you know, Wolf and, and Ray have been in the program for so long. It's like... Um, I, I was talking to you that it's been so long, but also feels like they just got here. And part of that is because they've been injured so many times. They've been, uh, you know, not necessarily on the f- the field so much. And it's kind of changed how we sort of have expectations of the tight ends. But like we've talked about before, I don't think that's a problem when you consider the, the tight end if there is a tight end on the, on the field in the passing game, it's just taking a spot away from a, a slot receiver. And we know that SC has a million receivers right now. So I'm not overly worried. I know SC fans want tight ends because it's fun to watch a tight end. You see Travis Kelsey and you want one of those. But rest assured, if, if there was if there was a Travis Kelsey on the roster, he'd be getting the ball. To me, the big question to be asked of this tight end group is touchdowns. Not necessarily receptions, receiving yards, anything like that. It's touchdowns. Because uh, last year, Malcolm Epps and Josh Follow each had two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, Lake McCree had two touchdowns. So, Well, combined, they had 17 catches and six six touchdowns. Yes. So, obviously, you get McCree back and you hope that he can be more of a fixture in the offense. But the real question is red zone threats. Who's your red zone threat? And I think McCree can be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Follow and Epps were were delivering those uh, those touches as well. And the the real question again comes down to can Jude Wolf or Ethan Ethan Ray 
carve out that kind of role and be an effective red zone option for USC? Or are all of the hopes laying on on Lake McCree sort of taking that next step? Yeah, this is what you know spring and fall camp is is designed for. And again, if none of those guys are up to the task, see our previous conversation about all of the wide receivers who yeah. can do that job. Like, right? Yeah, you know, that's this is this is what Lincoln Riley has to work with, and it's not like he has a shortage of weapons for Caleb Williams to to find on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the running backs, uh, led by Relique Brown and Darwin Barlow, the two returnees. Uh, there will be five running backs, however. Travis Dye, of course, moves on to the NFL after a lengthy career in college football and only nine games for the Tro- sorry, ten games for the Trojans. He gained 884 yards, nine TDs last year, and I think that every one of those yards and TDs was an important one. And I'm not sure there's a Trojan who's played 10 games that will have a bigger impact uh, in terms of fan supports and admiration and all those things, Uh, seniority, um, leadership um, that Travis Dye brought to this this program and to the running backs. And now SC has to replace it, just like they had to replace, um, you know, early on. Um, uh, Tra- Travis Dye is the is the offensive Stevie Tuikolavatu to, to, to me. Yeah, just came right in, took on a leadership role, won over everybody, and uh, yeah, just uh, just love, love, love everything about watching Travis Dye play. And that's the biggest bummer about about the injury that he suffered, and also just not getting to see him play more because of those ten games were really, really fun, like really, really enjoyable to watch. So yeah, uh, there's some big shoes to fill. But, you know, the, the guys who are returning have already filled those shoes in, in a portion of the season. Yeah. We're talking Austin Jones and Relic Brown. So Yeah, Austin Jones, who I did mention before, is back for a, another season. Uh, 135 carries, 705 yards, five TDs. And really, I think of what he did towards the end of the season when Die went down, um, Yes, you can think of early on what Austin Jones was doing uh, against Fresno State. Um, he had a you know a great game for the for the Trojans against Fresno State. He had twelve carries for one hundred and ten yards, but it was more about the UCLA and Notre Dame game for Austin Jones, where he combined for a hundred sorry two hundred and seventy four yards on forty six carries. Um, with the expectations of how do you replace Travis Dye, he absolutely came through and stepped up. Um, as he could not run the ball against Utah or Tulane, uh, but those are the two games without Andrew Voorhees, so I'm not going to hold that against Austin Jones. Um, but you expect him to sort of be what he was um, when he had success last year, if SC can get the offensive line sorted out. And then Relique Brown going into a sophomore season, I think you expect a huge jump forward. Um, 42 carries last year for 227 yards, three touchdowns, not amazing numbers as a running back because he was so sporadic in, in how he was used, but he's someone who can provide a, a, a jolt to the passing game out of the backfield. He can do it every way that you want him to do it. Sort of reminds you of a little bit of Reggie Bush and in, in the type of uh, athlete that he is. 
And I think that one of the things that's so nice about this, you know, the returning guys, Austin Jones, Relique Brown, and Darwin Barlow, is how how different they are. Austin Jones, a nice little combo back. Relique Brown, the speedster jitterbug. And Darwin Barlow is the guy who will just run you over. Yeah, I mean, I, I would feel good about USC's running back group if it was just those three guys coming back. Right. Like, that's... Are any of them better... Then Travis Dye, no. Like, Travis Dye was on another level for me. Uh, but the three of those combined, you'd feel very good about the frontline ability that you have from Jones and really Brown to be sort of the the one-two punch. And then depth with – I like Darwin Barlow as a runner. I, I, yeah. I don't know that he's been able to break through as – That like, run against UCLA, I think everyone will remember yeah. for a long time. and he's capable of that. And I think if you gave him more opportunities um, – you know, if injuries struck or whatever, and he had to come in and be the number one guy, I think he get the get the job done. Mm-hmm. But USC isn't just returning those three; they're getting they're adding another to the mix, and that's what I think makes this group really, really exciting. Is I don't know who USC's leading rusher next season is going to be, hmm. and I think it's very much up in the air because you're adding Marshawn Lloyd, and that's a whole other X factor to to deal with. Yeah, Lloyd comes over from South Carolina; he can keep all of his USC merch. Um, just color it a little bit different, I guess. Um, 111 carries uh, for the Cox in 2022. 573 rushing yards, nine TDs. Uh, had a couple of big games against Charlotte and Kentucky. Kentucky, what the second best defense in the SEC. Um, 110 yards, average five a pop uh, against the Wildcats on the road. I think that's really solid. He had injury issues towards the end of the season in November uh, and did not play in the bowl game against Notre Dame. But he's someone who, you know, has sort of the experience that SC got with Austin Jones and Travis Dye last season. And then you add him into the two early enrollees that SC brings in in the 2023 class, Quinton Joyner and Amarian Peterson, um, both out of Texas, both four-star running backs. And suddenly you got six guys in the backfield, uh, three returners, uh, a transfer, and two incoming freshmen. Yeah. And, and, All there for spring. And now you're looking at some really, really solid depth at running back. And yeah. to the point where you're, you're looking at the two running backs uh, coming in as, as recruits, and they look good. Like They look like guys who are mm-hmm. going to contribute to USC down the line, but it's, it feels like it's going to have to be down the line unless one of them really breaks through and 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 open some eyes in, in spring and fall, which is exactly the position you want to be in. Like mm-hmm. if you're relying on freshmen to come in and, and shock you, uh, they have to be really good to do that when you have the, the running back room that USC is already bringing back. Um, but like when it comes down to it, Marshawn Lloyd has probably the highest ceiling of any of the guys that USC has in this group. Um, he's, uh, you know, uh, 24-7 sports compared him to Frank Gore. Uh, on uh, as a recruit, so yeah, so he'll be here a while. <laughs> I like it. Um, but you look at it, and 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 I don't know that I can separate at this point whether or not it'll be Marshawn Lloyd or Austin Jones or Relique Brown as as the go to guy. And I think that's a, a good position to be in. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a quarterback. If you have two, you've got none situation. Well, when it comes to running backs, what do we always say? It's, they're all going to get injured anyways gonna, at some point. Every running back gets hurt. <laughs> um, every running back room, um, 
Half the guys get hurt at you have some to get point. The, you're, you're always going to end up working your way down to your fourth string guy. Just, and you're beholden to your offensive line. So yes. um, it, it, it sucks because, you know, running back is such a, you know, star-studded position in football. But at the same time, it's one of those that you can always find a running back. Um, but when you've got six talented guys, that's a great position to be in. Yes. Now, the, the real question here is... When you've got, let's just, let's say the the sort of one, two, three of Jones, Lloyd, and, and Brown. Yeah. I think stylistically, Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd are competing to be USC's Bill Cow. Where does Relique Brown fit in is going to be the question of the offseason. Because he is too athletically gifted. Not to see to, the field. To not see the field. But... Where does he see the field? What circumstances does he see the field? I think it's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. And, and, and again, like I'm not, when you have the weapons that USC has a wide receiver, when you have the potential that USC has at tight end, especially if you add Deuce Robinson in there, um, you're sort of looking for ways for everyone to eat. And really Brown is going to be one of those ones where he has to put it on the coaches where he is so good that they cannot, Yes. Leave him off the field. Well, hey, if, if the Jags can make um, Etienne an every, da- every down back, then really Brown could be. Oh, an in, every college, down back. in college, yeah. and certainly in a Pac 12 slate, I don't see any reason why really Brown couldn't be an, an every down back. Now, yeah. now, is it ideal for really Brown to be your every down back? Probably not. Like the, the, the luxury that USC has is that you but he doesn't can, necessarily have to get the ball every play, no, but you can also split him out wide. You can have him as a receiver. Yes. You can sort of have him be your, your Percy Harbin if you want to do it that way too. Yes. Uh, the, the real question for him, and this is the question we're always asking about the young running backs that USC has coming up that we want to see more of is when does the light go off? Yeah. The switch turn on in terms of uh, pass pro. And I think that's what we're going to see or not see. That that's going to. It's always the thing that determines whether no blocking, or not these no guys, rocky. No blocking, no rocky. It's always the 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 thing that eventually tips the scales over whether or not you are a integral part of the offense or just a luxury part of the offense. Mm-hmm. And that's the question that really Brown has to answer because I think you can sort of see the role for Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd built in. Still, no blocking, no rocky applies to them, but in terms of their size, in terms of of their skill sets just makes more sense that that's a little bit more of a natural fit. Yeah. Um, Relique Brown's going to have to, I I look forward to Relique Brown sort of forcing his way into the conversation around sort of whether or not he should be in on every play because he's that gifted and he's that dangerous as a receiver, as a runner. Um, wait, wait, hold on. Are you suggesting that SC season could come down to whether or not Relique Brown is on the field on a fourth and two? <laughs> I mean, maybe. You never know. Maybe. You never know. If Darwin Barlow was picking up every every first down that game, then, you know, maybe yeah. you can afford not to have him in there. Yeah, there you go. You never know. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. 
There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, let's move on to the offensive line. Of course, led by Josh Henson, who came over from Texas A&M uh, last season. Um, this is a unit that I... We didn't have high hopes for. Um, I was so our first members only episode that we're putting together here on YouTube is going to be tier ranking USC um, traditions, and I was going through our template uh, where we've done tier rankings in the past, like on Patreon and whatnot, and we had a thing where we tier ranked um, position groups. Uh, going into, I, I can't remember when this was. I think it was going into the 2022 season. Uh, or was it, maybe it was going into 2021. Something like that. It was a long time ago. And we had the bottom tier as liability. I think this was going into 2021. And the offensive line was a liability going in. And we said it in 2021 under Clay McGuire. That was possibly the best unit on the team, the offensive line, when you wouldn't have expected it because they were so atrocious in 2020, right? 2022, they were incredible at run blocking. 
the best offensive line SC has ever had statistically in terms of run blocking. When you look at the numbers, um, they were incredible. Um, SC far and away was leading uh, for most of the year in opportunity rate. Uh, I just pulled up the, I'm pulling up the numbers right now to see where SC finished. Uh, they were, they were like top 10 in everything except for sack rate, which sack rate was like, yeah, just weirdly low. <laughs> so SC finished the year um, in terms of line yards. They were fourth standard down line yards, second opportunity rate rate. Number one power success rate. Number four so stuff five. rate. Number 11. Yeah. Um, SC was great. Pass pro a problem. Um, but one of the reasons they were so good is because uh, they had two All-Americans, uh, Brett Nealon and Andrew Voorhees. Andrew Voorhees, especially the guy who's going to go high in the draft. Both those guys get hurt. Um, one misses the Pac-12 championship game. The other one gets hurt in the Pac-12 championship game. Of course, Caleb Williams gets hurt in the Pac-12 championship game. Everything goes to hell in Vegas for SC. The entire season crumbles. SC does not win either of the final two games without those guys. Um, and you're like, well, what's going to happen in 2023? Well, SC goes out. And even though you're losing Nilan and Voorhees moving on to the NFL and becoming pros, uh, Bobby Haskins is out of eligibility. Jason Rodriguez is retiring and going pro in something other than sports. SC goes out and gets three big uh, transfers, Ethan White and Michael Tarquin out of Florida and Jarrett Kingston out of Washington state. Those guys add on to a huge returning group. Like SC returns a ton of guys, uh, including guys with starting experience, like Justin Dietrich, who's now going to be expected to sort of be the captain on that offensive line, most likely the center on that offensive line, Mason Murphy, Jonah Monheim, uh, Cortland Ford all started games last year. Uh, Gino Quinones um, has gotten a fair bit of experience. And then you have guys uh, that are more reserve players that are looking for chances to get in there, like uh, Andres to work, uh, Cooper Lovelace, Caden Steven, Andrew Millick. There's dudes here uh, along with four star incoming freshman, Elijah page, uh, who is Deuce Robinson's teammate over at uh, Pinnacle high in Phoenix. Yeah, before the transfer portal, this looked like a potential potential worry spot for USC going into into 2023. Yes. There was a question about whether or not Justin Dietrich was going to declare for the draft. Mm -hmm. We knew that Nilon and uh, Voorhees would be gone. I think there was worried about uh, Ford potentially transferring, there, right? There, there was a very real chance of Jonah Monheim being the only returning starter, regular starter, uh, on that on that line along with with Mason Murphy. You get Justin Dietrich back. He decides to to come back and and mm -hmm. make his market center. Huge, huge, huge win for USC. Yep. And then you go add three starting level transfers. Yes. These are big, big, big boys who who slot Kingston. right in. Kingston was a guy at Wazoo that everyone thought was going to the NFL. He, yeah, yeah. Kingston was it was a question of whether or not he was going to go to the NFL or transfer, yeah. and he decides to transfer. So he slots in immediately. You look at Tarquin and White. You feel like they slot in immediately. Yeah. And suddenly, White was a second SEC, second team All SEC -er. Yes, yes. Outstanding 
offensive lineman that USC is plugging in yeah. to a unit, to a group, to an offensive scheme that we have already seen is built to have the offensive lineman succeed. Right. So now you're in a position where you have, you're now looking at four or five starts, uh, five starting jobs are pretty much settled. Yeah. And the question is whether or not someone like Mason Murphy or Cortland Ford sort of works their way into that, into that starting five mm-hmm. or sort of who becomes the, uh, the sort of sixth man utility guy uh, that USC is able to use on that line. So you go from this could be a worry spot to this. There shouldn't, they shouldn't skip a beat. Yeah, they shouldn't. There, they, there's they, seven, like seven or eight guys that legitimately would expect to be starters, which I think is a great position for SC to be in. Um, this is what the transfer portal was made for. Yeah. Um, and, perspective. and SC is, you know, taking advantage of it the way, best way that they can. Um, and this comes in a time where, you know, people haven't necessarily been happy with how SC has been able to recruit out of high school, um, you know, missing guys that, that you would have wanted. But when you go fill up in the transfer portal, like they have. Yeah. You want for a lot. You want to start, um, you want to build some cachet enough yeah. to start recruiting guys that you then develop to take over those roles. And and USC has guys coming in, uh, Amos Talele, Micah Bonuelos, uh, Alani Noah, and, and Tobias Raymond, sort of three-star guys with each of them has potential beyond that three-star. You look at them and you're sort of, you're, you're, you can see what they're trying to do as far as those. Sure. They might not be sort of four or five-star guys, but you can see what the potential level that they're, that they're, that you're trying to sort of tap into there for each of those guys. Mm -hmm. And even if you just hit on two of the four, you're, you're, you're feeling pretty good, right? Right. Um, You want to start being able to recruit the five and four star guys. But part of that is also building up the cachet of saying like, listen, we sent Voorhees and, and Nilon and, and set them up better for the NFL draft. Right. Um, Voorhees three star guy. Dietrich is another guy that you're going to look at and say, does he get his shot at center and what does he do with it? And what does that factor in then as far as NFL draft stuff, Mm -hmm. when you get transfers like Ethan white and Tarquin and Kingston, you're filling gaps that can then help you down the line. Because if those guys then turn a big season with USC into a legit NFL draft evaluation, then you're just sort of, building up that reputation is yeah you can come to usc and be a successful offensive lineman part of the problem that usc has had is that for how many years before the past few the past couple of years was the offensive line not necessarily being developed and Mm -hmm. being wasteful with with top sort of level talent and and question marks around you know how many different coaches usc was cycling in and out of uh so the instability on the offensive line um, it's nice to have Josh Henson. It's nice to have confidence in Josh Henson. It's nice to have confidence in Josh Henson within Lincoln Riley's scheme. It's nice to yeah. just feel like the offensive line is going to be put together and taken care of and not have to go through the whole rigmarole of is the scheme doing everything possible to, to benefit the offensive lineman? Is USC doing their offensive lineman a disservice by firing offensive line coaches and bringing new ones in and having a whole change, changing your, your sort of approach to every, to every single season, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. It, it's, it feels nice to not have to talk about, you know, a new face and, 
and new names on the coaching staff and questions around this. I, I feel strangely confident about this entire group from yeah. top to bottom. You, you should, yeah. And I think it's it's nice that SC gets to bring in the four three-star guys in the fall with literally no expectations. Yeah, yeah. So Come in when, and learn. You when, don't have to start. And if yeah. you do, again, it's because you were really damn good. Yeah, Talalele can get there and Benuelos and Noah and Raymond, they can get there without having to sort of be under the gun. Like it, I look back at where SC was tw- in 2017. We, you know, Andrew Voorhees was a three-star guy, but a three-star guy who was, yes, he was an early enrollee who kind of it, turned some heads immediately in, spr- in, in spring camp, but he had to start early on in his career in part because uh, Vianney Talamavo got hurt, right? At that Washington State game um, in warmups and, and for he's had to go in there. And like, you don't want to be in a situation where you have to throw those guys that you that you need to develop and you need time to develop like you do with three-star offensive linemen. You don't want to have to, you know, throw them into the fire so soon. And when this is a unit that we talked about before where there's like seven or eight guys who will expect to be starters, then those guys don't have to start um, in an emergency situation even. Yeah. Yeah. I Like you said, I feel good. It's crazy how good I feel given the players that USC lost. Uh, yeah, in exactly. This unit. And it's, it's quick, a quick turnaround, quick it's, rebuild. It's going to be really exciting to watch this offense. When, when you look at what USC returns at wide receiver, what mm-hmm. USC returns at running back and adds at running back and adds at wide receiver and adds at offensive line, and returns at quarterback, obviously. It's it's really exciting to think about how this offense exceeded my expectations and how quickly they were able to flip the switch under under Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. Average 41.4 points per game. We know Lincoln Riley offenses can average 45. We know Lincoln yes. Riley offenses can be better than they were in 2022. And the 2022 offense was the best that USC has had in over a decade. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is a, a really exciting position to be in. And and the offensive line is a big, big part of that because if the offensive line wasn't so well-placed with the transfers and my sense of the coaching staff and, and the scheme and all that kind of stuff, we would be coming in saying, well, you know, Caleb Williams might have to be running for his life. Right, And the offense might take a step back just because the offensive line isn't going to be as good. And we don't have to sit here and say that. And that's exciting. Yeah, which leads us into the quarterback uh, room. Um, All right, what is there to say about the quarterback (laughs) room? uh, The quarterback um, room, of course, led by head coach Lincoln Riley. Um, They returned two guys. Two guys. You might have heard of, you've heard of both. Uh, you might have heard a guy named uh, Caleb Williams. He won this this trophy where it's got like this bronze guy making a pose called the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Won that. USC's, of course, uh, eighth Heisman winner. And he's back for a junior season. Uh, you're number three under Lincoln Rally. You're number two at SC. And uh, Miller Moss is back, of course. And... New early enrollee Malachi Nelson out of Los Alamitos uh, will be there in the spring as well. I'm so fascinated by this because 
Is this the best situation SC has had at quarterback in like a long time, or is it that? Because there is no pressure on Caleb Williams this spring. Uh, Malachi Nelson has a nice little spot here because he's a true freshman who gets to watch the Heisman winner take reps every single day and also doesn't have the pressure of you need to go in there and start immediately. And then if you're Miller Moss, you have the incentive of, you know, staving off Nelson as the backup. Like I think everyone sort of is in a very good spot where Caleb Wilson just needs Caleb Will why do I keep doing this? <laughs> Caleb Williams just needs to stay healthy um and can and do the little things this spring. That's all he's gotta do. Um and Miller Moss and, and Malachi Nelson are gonna have an ample opportunity to sort of, you know, steadily improve. Yeah, uh, I mean Let's be honest, though. USC's hopes in 2023 hinge on Caleb Williams staying healthy. Yes. Um, yes. I wish I had a better sense that if Caleb was unavailable, that Miller Moss could come in. And obviously, no one is going to perform at the level that Caleb Williams is performing at. It's just not fair right. to ask them. Um, but, like, could USC still win the Pac-12 without Caleb Williams? I don't know that I'm ready to say that in terms of the quarterback situation. Well, not when the Pac-12 is this good. Yes, exactly. But at the same time, you are correct in that you have the Heisman winner, obviously. You're mm -hmm. in a great spot. Miller Moss is is a veteran enough player now it, that you feel like he's got to be in a, in a decent position to understand Lincoln Riley's system, to understand uh, his job, to have a, he, you know, apparently has a good head on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, and worse comes to worst, if if Miller Moss isn't capable of taking over as a backup, you always break glass and just throw Malik on Elson in there. Like, it's not the end of the world if you have to do that. Um, if, if you know, in, in the nuclear scenario where, where Caleb Williams isn't available, like, there will be people clamoring to see what Malik Nelson brings to the table and what he can he can do. So, yeah, you have three quarterbacks, one of them is the best football player I've ever seen in the college level. Um, and that's saying a lot because I never thought I'd sort of get to that point so quickly with a, with a player in this day and age. Um, but yeah, like you have the excitement of Malachi Nelson, you have the reliability theoretically of, of Miller Moss and you've got Caleb friggin Williams. So I mean, what, what can you complain about? I think my only complaint is just like this sort of weird shattered sort of uh, sense of like if Lincoln Riley trusted Miller Moss, then he would have put him in in the damn Pac-12 title game. But like that's not fair to Miller Moss because that was such a, a weird situation where does, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to let Andy himself Reed get pulled. Does um, Chad Henney? I mean, it, I think the answer is yes. Yes. That's why they let him but, play. Chad Henney is also not, not Mahomes. Mahomes and when and the moment Mahomes was able to get his his right right his body yeah, you, you you take you take you take a hobbled Patrick Mahomes over anybody right. and I think that's the I'm not I'm not going to fault Lincoln, Lincoln Riley for taking a hobbled Caleb Williams over any quarterback that was sitting behind 
Hey, the, so that la- the interception that was really the dagger. If if that pass is completed, obviously this is a huge if situation. Uh, it's a seven point game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's ridiculous that I mean, I don't, I don't want to like rehash that game, but you will not convince me that a USC with a healthy Caleb Williams, everything else remains the same in terms of health. USC loses Brett Neal and USC loses it. Andrew Voorhees and, and all of that kind of stuff. If Caleb Williams is healthy in that game, USC is not losing that game. I will go to my grave believing that. I, I think if um, Caleb Williams is healthy, at worst for SC, it is a redux of the first game. Yeah, where you lose because you didn't get the ball back. or you know. Well, it, where it turns into a shootout where it's anyone's game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I mean, at worst, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's again, not to like we've we've hashed and rehashed those losses. Sure. Enough. But when it comes down to it, like Caleb Williams is freaking incredible. And watching Patrick Mahomes during the playoffs this year only reaffirmed my sense of Caleb Williams being the second coming of Patrick Mahomes, just like doing it younger. Well, the interesting thing is. Mahomes was not remotely impressive in the playoffs. He didn't do anything <laughs> special because he was hurt. Because he was hurt. Well, yeah. Because he was hurt. The the what made him so successful in the playoffs was that he didn't make mistakes. And you look at Caleb Williams and like Caleb Williams when he got hurt, he was very erratic, which is that's what most people happens when they're hurt. Yeah. Um and then he had the big turnover, right? Like um that was that was crucial. Um and that just tells you how difficult it is to be like Mahomes and not well, make the it's, it's mistakes very, it's well, very, yeah. well injured. Yeah, it's extremely difficult to play well injured. Like it's just yeah, just part of part no. of the deal. But like, unless you're Jack Youngblood or Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, Zombie Juju wins all. Yeah, um, I mean, he, apparently he was Zombie Juju in the Super Bowl. Apparently he was like he couldn't walk uh, before the Super Bowl, and they were sort of getting yeah. his knee. Right he wouldn't be held back, right? He would not be held back. No. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the scary thing about Caleb Williams coming into the 2023 season, I think it's fair to sit here and say, like, there's a decent chance that not that he regresses, but that, like, he can't replicate the 4,500 yards, 42 touchdowns, five so interceptions. We've talked about this but, before, right? But like, well, and we've had this conversation semi recently. It's weird to look at his game logs and realize that, like, no, there is actually a lot of room for improvement on him yes. in terms of efficiency. Like, he had some very inefficient games last year. Well, he has, uh, you know, completes 44% of his pass against Oregon State, 51% of his pass against Washington State, um, 53% against Colorado. Like, there is room for him to be a much more efficient quarterback. Yes. And that is, that should be very terrifying for for opposing teams. Yeah, well, you know, you look at it and Caleb Williams was the obvious Heisman winner at the end of the season. But in the middle of the season, he he wasn't that. I don't think he was, um, I think SC fans would have him, you know, in their top three throughout the, the entire season. But in the middle of the season, he wasn't on top five lists, right? Yeah. Um, but he got better and better and better as the year goes on. And if he was how he was playing in November throughout the entire season, yes, he improves. And then to go back to the idea that, well, how will he replicate this? I think we need to stop thinking like we did about Barkley, Darnold, 
Kessler, Slovis, who never replicated those big numbers that they had early on in their careers. Because you look at the quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has had, Baker Mayfield's great junior season was immediately replicated as a senior. Yeah. His senior numbers immediately replicated in the first year by uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's numbers immediately replicated by Jalen Hurts. There were four seasons in which the quarterbacks had nearly identical numbers. Yeah. That's just what a Lincoln Riley quarterback which just does. tells you that the system works. Yes. And then on top of that, how good Caleb Williams is in the system. To sprinkle some of that magic on top of it. Yes. Yeah, so that's, absolutely that's the, he can replicate it. That's the thing that sort of caught me off guard about Caleb Williams is I think we've seen quarterbacks run Lincoln Riley's system better than Caleb Williams did last year. But what sets Caleb Williams apart is that little sprinkle of magic. That little, yes. like I said, when we were talking about the running backs. Something about watching Travis die run brought me joy. It was just something like compared to watching Austin Jones, compared to watching previous really good running backs that USC has had. Like there's something that separates a Travis die and a Ronald Jones from your sort of more run of the mill uh, rushers. And Caleb Williams is that for me at the quarterback position where it's just like he brings me joy to watch. To it at a level that I I can't compare to anyone but like the Reggie Bushes of the world, where you just watch them and yeah. they they well, they capture your imagination, and that's special. And I'm really excited to see more of that from him uh, in in the final season that we get to watch him in, in Cardinal and Gold. Like I think we just all have to sit back and enjoy it and enjoy the ride and enjoy the show because he's going to put it on. Yeah, that's that's the the silly thing too. Is you look back and you're like, "Oh my God, Darnold is this thing, and he's amazing, and this is the greatest thing we've ever seen, and all this stuff." And then you look back at it, and it's like, "Oh man, like Darnold is not in the stratosphere no. of Caleb Williams." No, and that's not a knock on, on and Darnold Sam Darnold. Me a lot of joy too. Like, yes, I'm, like, but it's like it's no. not a mark on on, no. on Darnold. It's just that Williams is just that much, you know. Yes. Uh, higher of a level like we were arguing that that darnold could be a guy that you could pick over over you know carson palmer and and matt leinert and like there is no argument like you're taking caleb williams over those guys you know what i mean yeah so yeah, for, yeah. i mean no question to me so right. that will wrap up the offensive preview we'll, we'll preview the defense of course next monday uh march 6th as we look ahead to spring camp, which of course opens on Saturday. Uh, do you want to wrap this thing up with the email we got from uh, Tony and Denora PA? Uh, Michael and Alicia, this is Tori Tony from Denora PA. Michael, you said you couldn't believe you were turning 35. I'm turning 35 next year. Slow down a little bit. Um, hey, on the 31st of March, I'll be 60. I don't know where the time went. It was just yesterday. I was in high school, then college. Now into the real world. It flew by, so don't sweat it. Enjoy being 35 because I'm enjoying being 59 right now. Both of you keep up the great work. I'm glad I came across your podcast. I also watch you on my TV, on YouTube. You guys do a great job. Fight on. Tony from Denora, PA. Thank you so much, Tony. And and I agree. I think that's a great message to, to remember. Yeah. Um, it's it's the message that I, I always tell my friends who are who haven't hit their 30s yet. And it's funny because, like, I remember – 
I remember people like talking around my mom or, or my mom talking or whatever about how like you you know your your 40s are are the best time of, of your life or your 30s or your whatever like things get better or better or better and and it's like the thing that I tell my my friends and family who are under 30 is to stop sweating the age right because the moment you stop sweating your age is the moment you start to be like free and actually just enjoy life and that's how I feel I I am turning um 34 later this year and it's like there was a time in my life when being 33 would have made me feel insane because <laughs> it's like at 33, you're supposed to have your shit together. And I most cool. certainly do not. But like, it's fun because I turned 30 and all of a sudden it was like, screw expectations. I really don't care. Like, I'm just doing things at my own pace and that's that's fine for me. So yeah, don't don't sweat the age. Live in live in your moment. Don't don't judge yourself against sort of what your age says you are or aren't or have or haven't accomplished yet or anything like that. So I think you're I think you're you're doing okay on the on the age front, right? Well, are you are you sweating 34? I'm sweating it because 35 is I was is scary. I was talking to somebody the other day that like you look at um, achievements. Um, and I was talking with with a with a colleague who was like, yeah, the the way that the milestones go, you go 18, 21, 26, 30, and then what's after 30? And I'm like, first of all, 26, what's 26? Oh, that's when uh, you're no longer on your parents', parents insurance. insurance. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even think about yeah, that. That, yeah, is a, that is a big, that's a that's, big age. That's a big one. Uh, but 35 is a huge one because as a kid, you learn that you can become president at 35. Uh. And that sounds like so old, so <laughs> far away. And then here I am and I'm like 35. I was just in high school. And then I realized that I enrolled at Narbonne 20 years ago That's this wild. year. What? That's wild. What? Yeah. My 10-year high school reunion was now several years ago, and that still trips me out. Like, Yeah. But also, the fact that 10-year high school reunions are generally around when you're 27, 28 is terrible because, like, that's th those were the worst. You want to talk about the years of my life when I was most contemplating my age and my <laughs> lack of, of personal success and 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 all, like, like, where I was, like, questioning all elements of my being – was the, was around the time that you would be expected to go to your high school reunion and like face everyone that you went to high school with like that it's terrible just don't go to your 10 don't go no. to your 10 year reunion it worked out that my 10 year reunion was literally on the day of a USC game so I couldn't go so like I got bailed out yeah uh, but uh <laughs> heard thinking good things back about on it I uh, yeah some 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 crazy I mean I would have had a great story if I had gone um great yeah. sports story but apparently yeah, but but it, for but me, at the mid thirties are scary. Also, as a sports fan, because you're like, yeah, as a as a as a sports fan, like you don't want your team signing thirty year olds. Yeah, that is a, that is a thing though, because when you think when you're talking about like athletes now, it's it's we it's wild to me that like I am older than Robert Woods. 
and Robert Woods is now in his 30s. And he's considered old. And he's like a veteran. It's like, well, who's going to sign him because he's now 30 and like that's old. And it's like, yes. I'm three years older than Robert Woods, though. And like you look at, at at quarterbacks or whatever and you think about like athletes in their prime. And it's like, yes, that prime is extending out further into the 30s. But still, a 35-year-old soccer player or baseball player or basketball player or football player is on the waning end of their career. And uh, that's pretty, it's pretty wild. When you consider that, like, in order for you and I to retire, we expect to work several more decades <laughs> of our careers. So, yeah, that's... You the, know, Khalil Mack, when you consider Khalil Mack old at this point? Older, yes. How old is he? He's two years to the day younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Rizzo, my age. Yeah, that's wild. Considered old. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. But anyways, uh, what's not old is the Rot Squad. It's brand new. And you can join us here on YouTube for members-only content, including our private uh, Discord channel where you can talk to us about anything about USC or the podcast or anything else. Along with our other Rot Bots, you can join us there um, and also get uh, bonus content members only content here on YouTube for as little as four ninety nine a month. Uh, join us there. Hit the join button there on YouTube. Uh, if you can't see it on your phone, you might have to go on a desktop, but nonetheless, it's there. Trust us. Uh, and we will be delivering you guys content there. And we're super excited about it. We'll be excited as well next week to talk about the defense spring preview of the, the defense uh, next week. Uh, and as for us, this wasn't a live episode, folks. Shock. That's why we never mentioned the chat. Pulling, pulling probably the rug out that. from under people. Yeah. If all, if, all, if all goes well, we're like in Cabo right now. So. They, they think we're you know ignoring them the whole time during this episode. Yeah. Hopefully there's no like troll comments. Yeah. that that would We apologize for that <laughs> happening because no one's monitoring <laughs> the chat right now. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um probably uh tanned and hopefully tanned and relaxed yeah yeah all right we'll see you see ya see ya what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.